in First Chronicles 29, uh, David is still alive with us. Uh, he's, he's at the end of his life here. Uh, and as he's preparing to, to leave and, and go be with the Lord, um, uh, he is preparing for the construction of the temple. And, of course, the Lord told him, you're not allowed to build a temple because you've been a man of war all, all, all of your life. I'm going to uh, let your son Solomon build the temple. Uh, but David still said, well, if I can't build it, I'm still going to prepare for it. I'm going to receive offerings for it. I'm going to collect income for it. Uh, and so, so David is praying here in First Chronicles 29, uh, 14. And I just like the way that, that, that he said this. Uh, he's, uh, he said, uh, but me, who am I? And who are these, my people, that, that we should presume to give something to you? Everything comes from you. All we're doing is giving back what we've been given from your generous hand. And so I just like David's mentality in that it is, you know, who are we to give to you? Because the Lord's the creator of everything. Amen. Uh, he said, all we're doing is giving back what we've been given from your generous hand. And, you know, we could think, you know, that's the way I think about the things that I own, the things that I have, you know, and I tell the Lord this on a, on a regular basis. Everything I have is available for you to use however you choose. Every, you know, every car, every dollar, every uh, building, uh, everything I have <clears throat> is available for you because, because it came from him anyway. Amen. That's, that's what they said there in the old covenant. Uh, all we're doing is giving back what we've been given from your generous hand. Uh, and um, I remember a friend of mine, he had, uh, uh, I forget what year it was, but it was like a, a 69 Nova, something like that. You know, it was a kind of a classic old car. And, um, and he, he would let you ride in it, but uh, you first had to certify that you've had a bath in the last 24 hours, you know. And uh, he had towels everywhere. And you could sit in a chair, but you couldn't touch anything, right? You could sit in the car, but you couldn't touch the dash, you know, he'd close the door for you so you didn't have to touch the handle. I mean, I'm being a little uh, uh, facetious there, but, but it, it, he was really picky about this old car. You know, and I'm thinking, it's dirt. Everything in this car came from the ground, right? There's the tires came from the ground. The glass came from the ground, right? The engine came from the ground. Every piece of metal came from the ground. It all came from dirt. And, and I'm a child of a living God. Uh, and, and you're going to elevate this dirt over me, you know, and uh, now I didn't tell him these things, you know, but uh, I rode in at one time and it's like, I'm not riding in your car, you know, I'm a child of the king, you know, you're not going to treat me like I'm below this dirt, right, and so, <laughs> so, so uh, but he worshiped that car, you know, and look, if you worship your car, none of my business, you know, you go, you know, have your golden calf all you want to, it's fine with me, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say anything, although I am saying something right now about it, but uh, uh, you know, <laughs> just don't tell me about it, right? Just don't come in. Uh, and so uh, I got, I, I insulted one fellow one time. Uh, he was showing me, uh, he had a rat rod, right? And, his, and I didn't know, I didn't know anything about, you know, rat rods, you know? And so he's showing me this and it's all rusted, you know, and all this stuff. And I, and I said, so what color are you going to paint it? Because <laughs> I'm thinking it needs paint, right? It looks terrible, right? It's a, uh, but he's nice a rat rod. You're not supposed to paint it. It's like, who made up that law? That's a stupid law. If it needs to be painting, paint the thing, right? But uh, if you got, I mean, you got rat rod. I don't care. You know, I'm just making fun of him. But uh, uh, I thought it was funny. You know, he was all, you know, look, look at this rat rod. How amazing it is! Like it needs to be painted. <laughs> so, uh, but <clears throat> everything I have came from the Lord. So everything I have belongs to Him, right? And that's what they said. Uh, uh, he said, I want to read it one more time because I just really like the way they said it. He said. Everything comes from you. Uh, all we're doing is giving back what we've been given from your generous hand. That's all we're doing. So, you know, when we receive an offering, all we're doing is giving back to the Lord what he's already given to us. Amen. And if we see that, if, if we can understand that, see, then there's no limit to what the Lord will give you. Amen. Because if, he, uh, if everything you have is always available for his use, then you're a person that the Lord can use. You're a person the Lord says, well, that person, you know, yeah, I, I could just use them as a bank. I'll go store all this stuff with them. And when I need it, I can take a uh, draw back from them uh, anytime I need it. And it's easy, right? Uh, and and if, if, uh, if you cry every time you give a dollar in, in the offering <laughs> or, or, or weep every time somebody wants to borrow a screwdriver, I mean, you know, it, it's, uh, <clears throat> you may not be the person that the Lord can use to, to put things into your hand, amen? Uh, and so... Uh, but uh, that's just a, that's just a great, uh, it's a great mentality, amen? It's a good mentality to have that 
All we're doing is giving back to you what you've given to us, uh, the way he said it, from your generous hand. Uh, has the Lord been generous to us? He has. Amen. And I, so I was reading this verse. I just thought that was just a good verse there. Uh, and so, uh, well, let's stand and greet each other for just a minute, and then we'll get into praise and worship. That name that contains healing in it, Father. Deliverance. Father, that name that's above every name. And Father, if it's above every name, Father, that anything that has a name must yield to the name of Jesus. Poverty and lack, Father, demonic forces, sickness and disease. Father, the enemies of mankind, devils and demons. Father, must yield to the great name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for that great and beautiful name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for that great name, for the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Several times this week, um, the Lord just prompted me um, about um, problems with uh, problems with our blood. And um, uh, has anyone had any kind of uh, doctor's appointments that uh, said there's problems with your blood? That uh, you've had uh, blood work, or you've got any kind of, of uh, diagnosis or problems with your blood? Uh, if you have, you know here to heal you, amen, yes. and so, um, I don't you know, sometimes it's really strong, but you know, this time it's real, it was real subtle this week, and so, um, it may be for something else, but if you've had any diagnosis of, of blood problems, you know, um, then, you know, the Lord's healed to heal, amen. Jesus, that covers even Father problems with our own blood. And Father, there's nothing too big for you. The eternal life, Father, that lives in our bodies can drive out sickness and disease and cure and correct problems even in our blood system. Father, we thank you for the power of Almighty God that goes into our bodies, Father, to effect a healing and a cure. Father, to cause this blood system to work as designed, Father. White blood cells and red blood cells, Father, operating correctly. And Father, if there's any foreign matter in that bloodstream, Father, we curse it in the name of Jesus. Command this blood to be well and whole, Father, and do exactly and only what it's designed to do, Father, to carry oxygen, Father, to provide, to provide nutrients to this body, unaffected and unencumbered, Father, by sickness and disease. Father, we speak to this to this bloodstream in Jesus' name. Command it to be well and to be whole. Father, we thank you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you that if there's any foreign substance in this blood, Father, that's not put there by heaven, we curse it in Jesus' name. Father, if it's carrying something that doesn't belong there, we curse that in Jesus' name. Command this bloodstream to be well and to be whole in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that we have been washed in your blood, Father. Father, that the blood of Jesus can cleanse even our own blood. That eternal life, Father, that lives in us, drives out sickness and disease, Father. This bloodstream shall be well and whole strong and clean, Father, according to your design. We thank you for that, Father. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, 
we're just so thankful for your goodness and mercy. We're so thankful, Father, for that beautiful name of Jesus. Father, we're so thankful for what you've done for us. Father, all we have is yours. We thank you for these things, Father. And Lord, we give you all praise and honor for these in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. The Lord is good. Amen. Amen. We appreciate the name of Jesus. Amen. We're thankful to all the things he's done for us. Amen. And uh, of course, we'll probably never know all the things he's done for us. You know, I'm always amazed in studying the Word of God, all the things you find. Uh, you know, for, for a long time, much of the church thought that the Lord saved us, and, uh, and that was it, right? And there's so much more to redemption than just uh, our eternal destiny in heaven. We're thankful, of course, for that. That's really the greatest gift of them all. But there's so much. You know, God is interested in every day, every minute of your life, every hour that you live, every step that you take. The Lord is interested in that. You know, Jesus said that the very hairs in your head are numbered. Amen? Uh, clearly, some people have a fewer number to, to deal with than other people, but still, you know, uh, uh, are you numbering your own hairs? I mean, they're your hairs. Are you, do you care enough about your own hair to count them? One, two, three. I mean, no, nobody's doing that, right? But the Lord does that. Um, and if somebody is, something is so uh, inconsequential as counting your hairs, if the Lord's doing that, what else is he doing for us? Amen. Uh, sometimes we think, well, the Lord only handles big things. Uh, well, who said that? The Lord never said that. You remember what he, what he told Adam and Eve? And go, who told you you were naked? I didn't tell you you were naked. Who told you that I'm limited in your life? I didn't tell you that I'm limited in your life. Uh, and, and, you know, if you go back to the origin, where did this come from? Well, sister doodad, you know, and whatever. Uh, it's like the little girl that came to church, you know, with the Bible and it had a front cover and a back cover, and that was it. Nothing else was in the Bible, just the front cover and a back cover. And the pastor's like, well, well honey, how, how come you only have the front cover and the back cover? She said, well, every time you said that that didn't belong to us anymore, I just ripped it out of the Bible, and that's all I got left is just the front cover and the back cover, you know? And that's the way some people believe, right? They rip out everything out of the Bible. He doesn't heal. He doesn't, he doesn't prosper. He doesn't protect. He doesn't deliver. You rip all those verses out of the Bible, and you're left with, you know, the maps and, and the, the index, right? Uh, and so, uh, but uh, no, I want to believe it every, everything, amen? If it's in there, I want to believe it. Uh, if it's for me, right? Some things, you know, uh, we have to understand from the context as it belongs to me, like uh, Old Testament sacrifices of, of animals and goats and, and such things. Well, that doesn't belong to me. That's not necessary. So we, we do need to set those things aside. But if, it, but if it's in the New Testament or if it's a blessing in the Old Testament, it belongs to me, Amen. And so I'm reading the scripture, Lord, uh, this is your last will and testament. Uh, uh, you know, when somebody dies, uh, uh, you, you know, of course, as a pastor, I've dealt with a lot of uh, people dying and a lot of families, you know, that, that suffer loss. But somebody, as, somebody, as soon as somebody breathes their last breath, there's always somebody in the family, you know, if, if, especially if it's a big family. There's always somebody in the family, you know, uh, when they leave. Hmm. Well, you know, they're not cold yet, right? Give them a minute to die and then ask the question, right? But they're, they're, oh, what, what, what's in it for me? Uh, uh, and, you know, uh, we don't need to be greedy and selfish, but we should be reading the scriptures. You know, Lord, this is your last will and testament. What's, what, what did you leave me, right? He said we have an inheritance. Well, what is the inheritance, right? I mean, it wouldn't do you any good if the lawyer calls you up and said, hey, uh, your, your great uncle on your mother's side died. He left you stuff. Well, what did he leave you? I'm not going to tell you. Well, it wouldn't do you any good, right? Uh, and, and so, and of course, you know, there's all kinds of, of interesting stories of people who left things in her last will and testament. I'll, I'll leave my sister, you know, a lump of coal because she was a pain all my life. You know, just stories like that to hear, you know. <laughs> and so anyway, the Lord has left us a great inheritance. Amen. Uh, and, and, and the thing is, he wrote a last will and testament. And then, of course, the last will and testament only comes into play when somebody dies. Well, it just so happens somebody great died. Well, who was that? Jesus, well, then, then whatever, his, it, it, whatever is in his last will and testament is now legal for us to obtain. Amen? You know, uh, if your great uncle is still alive, you don't go up to him and say, hey, you know, uh, uh, hey, uncle, uh, how you feeling? You're looking a little sick there, you know? You feel, are you going to make it till the end of the day? Nobody does that, right? Uh, but, you know, you, people probably think that. I wonder, I wonder how long he's going to live. You know, I, you know, 
man, if he could die before Christmas, that'd be great, you know, because then I can get the same. I mean, you know, there are terrible people like that, no doubt, right? Uh, but we don't have to be that way. He's already died. The Lord Jesus has already died. And it says he has an inheritance. Well, well, if he's got an inheritance, that means that what belonged to him belongs to us. Well, what do you think Jesus owned? Everything. Who made everything? Jesus made everything. So that means it was his. And then when he died, then who did he hand it to? Well, me. I mean, so, you know, these things are not hard. To, you just got to use your little brain there for something other than a, a, something to hold a ball cap. Uh, you know, uh, uh, think about it, right? If he left an inheritance, then who does it belong to? Well, it belongs to me. So then, then your job is to find out, well, what's in the inheritance? What's in there? And that's why we study the scriptures, to find out, well, Lord, what did you give to me? You gave me peace. You gave me joy. You gave me long-suffering. You gave me uh, the ability to be healed, the ability to be prosperous, to have a sound mind. I mean, uh, uh, you know, I could tell you where all those verses are in the scriptures uh, and wh- where the inheritance is found. But you go to the average Christian, you know, give me one verse about healing. Oh, I don't know, you know, uh, maybe, you know, uh, God helps those who help themselves. Right? Well, that's not a scripture on healing, right? Well, cleanliness is next to godliness. Well, that's not a scripture either, right? Uh, and so, I mean, you don't have to, to know every book, chapter, and verse about every single thing there is in the world. But it'd be helpful to know that, yes, God has provided for thing, things for us through our inheritance. And we are children of God. If we are children of God, then we have an inheritance from God. Amen? Amen. We're, not, we're not, you know, uh, redheaded stepchildren. Uh, uh, we're, we are adopted into his, into his uh, kingdom. Amen? Uh, and if we are adopted, then, then we have a legal inheritance that belongs to us. Yeah. Amen? Uh, and, and who's the one who oversees uh, whether that inheritance is justly provided to us? Well, the Lord does. Amen? Uh, is he uh, trying to sue to, to block the inheritance? You know, people do that all the time. They don't get what they want from the inheritance. They sue the estate. Well, I should get more. Well, but the inheritance says you've got a lump of coal. Well, yeah, but I think I deserve more. Not according to what the, what the piece of paper said. You get a lump of coal, and here it is. Would you like that wrapped up or, you know, just uh, take, it by, uh, take it directly, right? Well, no, the Lord, the Lord uh, he is our advocate, which is our, our attorney of record, and uh, he is overseeing the, the, to make sure that we receive everything that belongs to us. Uh, amen. Now, you've got to show up. You've got to do the work of accepting it. Amen. You've got to do the work of believing it. But there's no, there's no issue on his side. He's got the, he's got the judge of the earth, the, the Lord God. He's our attorney of record to make sure that uh, we get everything that belongs to us. And all we have to do is to, is to, be, uh, is to willingly accept it. And some people will fight it. No, that doesn't belong to me. You know, a lot of people say God doesn't heal anymore. And the Lord in heaven's going like, what? I didn't say that. Who, said, who told you I don't heal anymore? You know, there's going to be a lot of questions. We get. Who told you I stopped healing when the last apostle died? Well, Lord, that's just what we believe. I didn't tell you that. My word didn't tell you that. My spirit surely didn't tell you that. Uh, well, my pastor told me that. Well, what's his name? <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, it, it's uh, uh, there, there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of uncomfortable questions when we stand before the Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, uh, how many times did you tell people that I don't heal anymore? Well, Lord, I don't know. He said, I'll tell you exactly how many times. It was one thousand thirty thirty six. And last Tuesday was your last time you said that. Uh, and can you give me book, chapter and verse for why I said that I stopped healing? Well, Lord, I don't know. Well, neither do I. Right. Uh, and so. Uh, these things belong to us. Amen. We are children of the most high God. He loves us dearly. Amen. He paid a great price for us. And, and we should, uh, it's disrespectful on our part to say, well, Lord, I don't, I don't need any of your blessings. That's disrespectful. If the Lord wants to give you a blessing, then, then, then a person of faith says, yes, sir, I'll be glad to accept it. That's what a humble person of faith does is, yes, sir, if you, if you chose to grant me healing, then I humbly choose to accept it. Amen. I am not being, uh, uh, some people say that you're arrogant or you're prideful to accept the blessings of the Lord. That n- nothing could be further from the truth. If the Lord says, I want you to have this, and you say, Lord, I don't want to receive it, that's disrespectful to the Lord. You know, you go, uh, I've traveled all over the country, all over the world, in fact, uh, and um, a lot of cultures, when they give you something, it's a big thing, right? Because uh, they don't give everybody everything. 
especially if they don't have anything, when they give you something, it's a high honor. And they, something could be just the smallest thing, like food, like feeding you. That may be, that may be all they have. And for you to reject that would be so dishonorable to, to that culture. Uh, and I, I remember I went to, uh, we were at a, um, uh, at a consulate one time. Uh, we were in England, and they had, they had a, uh, uh, a consulate for another country there. Uh, it wasn't Zimbabwe, but it was uh, in the southern part of Africa somewhere. But a friend of mine knew, knew, the, uh, uh, knew, knew one of the people in the consulate, and so we went there and, and, and spent some time with them. And they, just, they, they came out and uh, you know, provided just refreshments. So it wasn't a whole meal, but just refreshments. But when they came out, uh, the lady that brought it to us, she kneeled down uh, and handed us uh, th- these refreshments. Now, that makes me really uncomfortable, amen? Because I am surely unworthy to be worshipped. Uh, and she wasn't worshipping us, but she was honoring us with high esteem. Uh, and even that makes me a little uncomfortable because who am I? You know, I'm made out of dirt and clay. But see, that was their custom. And for me to reject that, oh, no, you know, you know, you don't do that to me, it would be disrespectful to them. Amen. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't accept it as, oh, well, yeah, finally someone's bowing down to me. Right. I mean, I've been trying to get my wife to do that as long as we've been married. She won't do it. You know, <laughs> she brings me dinner, you know, and she said, come get it. It's over there. You know, and, and I'm like, well, can't you bring it to me? Like, you know, you've got two legs. Get it yourself. Uh, and, and, and so, uh, you know, there, there's none of that going on in my house. Uh, and so. But. Uh, you know, that, that's their culture, so I don't, I don't, you don't expect it. You don't demand it, right? You, and you don't think, well, finally, somebody understands how valuable I am. No, that's, that would be foolish to think that way, amen? But it's their culture, and so you receive it with thanksgiving and kindness that they've done that for you. Uh, and if you respect a, a person that's doing that for you on the earth, why wouldn't we show the same respect to the Lord Jesus who paid a great price to obtain the things that he wants to give to us, and yet we reject that as if it's of, of no value? Do you know how much I had to pay for that? You know what it cost me to get your healing? You know what it cost me to get your redemption, your deliverance? I had to send my own son into the earth to get this for you, and you're going to reject it as if it's nothing. A great price was paid for that. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, and, you know, I, and I think that way. I think that, you know, when, when I see these promises in the, in the Word of God, I think a great price was, was paid for me to obtain this. And it would be disrespectful for me to accept anything less than what the Lord has provided for me. Uh, and, and so uh, if, we would, if we would adjust our thinking to think like that, instead of so flippantly saying, well, God doesn't heal anymore. But it's so disrespectful to say things like that. It's so, so prideful and arrogant to assume that the Lord is wrong, that, that uh, the Lord is limited in his ability to bless us. Uh, the Lord is a big God, Amen. And anything less, you know, shows a lack of faith on our part. Uh, and I want to be a person of great faith. Amen. Uh, and so we are here in Matthew chapter 7. We have been talking about the um, Sermon on the Mount and just going through what Jesus spent uh, a lot of time talking here. And, and you know, this is, this is the, the Cliff Notes version of this because, you know, when he was there, no doubt he spent a lot more time talking about these things than, than just the words that we have here. Uh, and so because when we spend a whole hour on one verse... Well, you know, you think Jesus just, just read this thing through. And I mean, you could read, it, read these three chapters through in, in just uh, 30 minutes, you know, or so. Well, the, he was here for days. So what, what, did, what did they hear that we don't know? No telling, right? Wouldn't have been wonderful to hear all the things that Jesus said. In fact, John says if all the things that were written down that Jesus did, he, he said even the world couldn't, couldn't contain the books. So Jesus stayed busy, amen? And, uh, but we're thankful for the things they did record for us. And so we talked last week about the, the golden rule. And is the golden rule about do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, is it still in effect? Yes. yes. Is it the best rule? It's the best rule. Uh, when the world comes up with something, uh, they try to one, do one uh, better than the Lord by calling it the platinum rule. Well, they, they do it for two reasons. One, they hate God, and two, they're stupid. Uh, and so, uh, and, and usually people that hate God are stupid, right? Uh, and so it's usually they go together. Uh, but no, they think the platinum rule can, can be better than the golden rule. It's like, no. In fact, you know, if, if you spend any time in, in, um, uh, in the corporate world or even in our society in general, you know, the vast majority of our, of our laws and our systems of, of governing were based upon biblical principles. Biblical principles, not uh, Islamic principles or 
you know, uh, uh, Buddhist principles or, you know, Zen, Zen principles or uh, Confucius principles. They were based upon biblical principles because biblical principles uh, are correct and they're time tested and, are, and, uh, and make sense, right? When you get into Buddhism and all these things, you know, they, they, they don't make any sense, right? Uh, and you can't, you can't create a society that, that's founded upon those things. Uh, and even though they are, even though most corporate, you go to corporate training uh, and they tell you about how to treat each other, they're all based upon biblical principles except for, you know, the last six months or a couple of years, they've really gotten, I mean, just insanely stupid about these things. But for the most part, for years, they, they have been based upon, big, they don't admit it, right, about treating each other with respect, you know, honoring each other, you know, those types of things. They're just biblical principles. Uh, and so they're, they're the right way to live. And when they come along and say something like, well, the golden rule is passe, it's never passe. It's never expired. It's never of no value. It's still the right way to live. Uh, and, um, you know, when they say, well, you've got to treat me the way I want you to treat me, I'm not doing that, right? Because the way you want me to treat you is dumb, right? I'm not going to use weird pronouns, and I'm not going to call you something that's not, that you're not, uh, because that would be disrespectful to the truth, amen? Uh, and so... But, uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to go pick at anybody for those things, but it's the reality that uh, right now we're living, we're, we're just living in an insane, uh, insane time frame in our society. Uh, and, it's, and it's really America uh, pushing these things even more than a lot of other countries. In fact, a lot of other, uh, you know, friend of mine that uh, uh, he's from Africa, and he sends me these videos about Africans saying, uh, America, please stop sending your culture to us now. We don't like your culture anymore. You said they loved our culture. You know, fear God, honor the king, you know, those types of things, you know, uh, do unto others. You have to, you know, used to be the culture of America was the right culture of the, of the world. Now we've got crazy culture, right? Uh, 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 surgically alter our children, uh, you know, call men women and women men and, and upside down world, right? And they're like, oh, we've had enough. Uh, and so uh, it, it's still, the scriptures are still the, the, the fundamental way to live. Amen. It's the best way to live. Uh, and, uh, and for centuries, thousands, or, or not thousands of centuries, but thousands of years, uh, these biblical principles have been valid and useful to all societies around the world. Uh, and if you look, think, look at the whole history of humanity, uh, Western culture that has embraced biblical principles is the reason why the earth has advanced as much as it has. You go to other cultures, you know, and they, they weren't the ones advancing science and, and medicine and, and understanding and, and um, education. It was the Western cultures that, that uh, had pursued biblical principles. Uh, and so we're not mad at anybody, but that's, just, that's the truth because biblical principles always work. Uh, and so uh, he gets down to uh, uh, verses uh, 13 and 14 here uh, about uh, how we should walk. And he said... Uh, uh, this is Matthew seven thirteen. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. So he, he's Jesus is contrasting two different ways to live, right? Uh, and he says, uh, he says, enter ye at the straight gate. So. This implies that it's our responsibility to enter into the gate. Amen? Well, if God wants me to save me, he'll save me. No, he didn't say that. He says, you, it's your responsibility to enter at the gate. Amen? It's not my responsibility. Uh, and so, well, why, did, why is God going to send anybody to hell? God doesn't send anybody to hell. He's, he has invited, who, who is he inviting here to enter into the straight gate? Everybody. Who, 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 could, who could go to this, to this narrow gate? Anybody who wants to, right? Because he said, enter you at the straight gate. Uh, he said, uh, and then he contrasts that with the way of the world. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many be there which go in thereat, in that broad way. Well, well why is he saying that? Well, if, if you look at, uh, now, what he's trying to get across here is, in the natural world, it's the easiest thing to just go with the flow of sin. Right? It's just the easiest thing to go along with everybody and, and lie and cheat and steal and cuss and sleep around uh, like the rest of the world does. There's, there's no friction to that, right? You just do it and nobody will care, especially in our society today, right? Nobody cares. The, the, the greater sin that you have, the more people uh, uh, promote it and, and, uh, uh, and approve of it. 
You know, they have the, this, the, the craziest things that people say that, you know, I did this crazy thing. And, oh, that's wonderful. You know, you're, you're living your true self. <laughs> no, you're not. Your true self is your spirit man. Amen. That's your true self. Everybody in the earth is a spirit being made in the image and likeness of God when they came into this earth. Amen. That's your true self. Uh, the, the, uh, when you just flesh out and live a super carnal life, uh, that's not your true self. That's a fraudulent self. Amen. Uh, and yet uh, they don't want to talk about that because uh, that, that makes them uncomfortable. But, but Jesus is saying it's the easiest thing in the world just go, go with the flow. Just go with the flow of sin, go with the flow of humanity, and whatever uh, terrible things they come up with, just go with the flow. Uh, and, and if you dare stand up and say, you know, uh, maybe we should question this uh, direction we're going. They will bury you, right? Uh, uh, and, and come out against you and say, you know, who are you? And try to all, do all these things. They cancel you, whatever, you know. And, uh, and um, you know, as a child of God, I can't be canceled. Right. You know, uh, this is impossible. I'm a child of the living God. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so Jesus is saying it's the easiest thing in the world. It's, there's no friction. You don't have to be aware. When he's talking about, uh, the, and I was going to read a few of these, uh, uh, verse 14 in um, some different translations. But before we get to that, he said in verse 14, because straight is the gate uh, and narrow is the way. Well, all he's saying that if, if the way is narrow, then that requires a little extra diligence on your part to ensure that you're on the right path. You know, if, it's, if, if you're walking down a four-lane highway, you don't even think about it, right? Except for maybe there's traffic coming. You probably shouldn't do that. But if, if it's a wide path, you know, you don't think about it. But if it's a narrow, a really narrow path, uh, then you have to pay more attention and be more diligent. And it does require more attention and diligence as a child of God because there's so much desire for people that, that says, hey, that you're on the, come over here with us. It's easy over here. And you've got to be diligent. Go, well, no, I'm okay with this path. I'm okay with this path that I'm on. And, you know, you should be okay to live in a life in the, of the narrow path as a Christian. Now, I, I've ever heard uh, people in the pulpit uh, kind of disparage of things about, you know, well, you don't want to act like a Christian. You know, you don't want to talk like a Christian. You don't, don't, don't say things like righteousness and, and God and, and, and Jesus. And No, I'm walking that path. Amen. And I'm not trying to make you uncomfortable, but that's my path. And, and, and oftentimes, uh, even in, from the pulpit, people are saying, well, you know, you don't want to act like a Christian. You know, you don't want people to actually know you're a Christian. You know, some people as Christians could go to the court of law and would, it would never be found guilty uh, of being a Christian. Uh, we got no evidence. You have no evidence, right? So you're free to go, right? Uh, we cannot find you guilty of being a Christian, amen? There is no evidence, no testimony of you being a Christian. It's perfectly fine to be a Christian, amen? It's perfectly fine to live a godly life, amen? That's and don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Because Jesus said narrow is the path so that requires some diligence, some effort on your part to make sure that you, can, you stay on the right path, that you don't drift over into, into the easy lane, right? You, you stay in the lane. Uh, now, the lane is not hard in, from the st- standpoint of Jesus didn't make it hard. He, he didn't say, uh, although he did say it was narrow, he didn't say that uh, I put landmines and, uh, you know, potholes in this lane uh, to trip you up. Uh, but there is, there is a... Um, an effort from the world to get you off of that lane. Amen. So any, any difficulty in the lane is not from the lane itself. It's from the people around you that's trying to get you off of that path. And that's the difficulty is as soon as you get on that path, everybody around you doesn't like that. You know, the, the, uh, I, I was uh, reading after uh, in the old covenant there about, uh, about, the Lord and, uh, and Pharaoh when, when uh, Moses was trying to get the people of Egypt out of, uh, out, or people of Israel out of Egypt. Uh, and, you know, several times uh, when they're going through the 10 plagues, several times it says, and Pharaoh hardened his heart. So the, the Lord uh, said, uh, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, you know, maybe I should just let him go. And he goes, and, and then after a while, it's like, I'm not doing it. Well, in that moment, he hardened his heart. He knew what to do. But hardened, I'm not doing it. But then a couple of places it says, but God hardened his heart. And I was just meditating on that. Lord, you know, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you harden, why would you harden his heart? Right? Why would you, because if, if you harden his heart, 
then how could he be guilty of, of, of uh, being against the nation of Israel if, it's your, if, if you did that? Uh, and, and so, and here's the thing. If, not, if you just take some things at face value while studying and meditating on them, you'll come up with all kinds of crazy doctrine. Well, you know, God hardens this man's heart and he makes that man's heart light so that person gets to go to heaven that person doesn't get to go to heaven because God hardened their heart and God let that person have an uh, easy and light heart. Well, you know, that's not, that can't be right because God doesn't do that. But it says he did that. Uh, and, and, and so just meditating on that, the Lord, the Lord spoke to me and said, uh, here's why that is. He said, Pharaoh thought he was God. You know, if you go back in history and look at, they thought they were God, right? They thought they were a deity, which is funny because like, well, you know, they die every 70 years or so, probably 50 years. Uh, doesn't seem like a very uh, God thing to do, right? To die and expire uh, after, uh, after sickness or disease. Uh, but they thought they were God. Uh, and so uh, the real God showed up uh, against the fake God. And because the real God showed up against the fake God, the fake God hardened his heart because God himself would not change. And so Pharaoh, Pharaoh's heart got hardened because God showed up. Now, if God had never showed up, Pharaoh's heart would have never been hardened in that way. So that, that's why, in, in essence, it was God's fault that Pharaoh's heart was hardened because God showed up. But God didn't go in there and manually harden his heart. God, uh, it was God's fault that his heart was hardened because he showed up. Uh, and, and, and the point of that is, you know, a lot of times people get mad at you because you're a Christian, just because you breathe air. Well, that's not my problem. I'm not going to do anything to offend anybody intentionally. I'm not going to do anything to intentionally harm other people. But the world hates you because you breathe air as a child of God. Uh, and, uh, and so that hatred that's in their heart, you're the cause of it because you're breathing air, but you didn't put that hate in them. Amen? So if you, if you would just not ever get around them, they wouldn't have that, heart, that hate in their heart. Well, that's too bad. I'm still going to get around them. I'm still going to live my life as a free child of God. Right. Amen? And if that, if that causes the devil to, to, to hair lift the devil, uh, yeah, I don't really care. Amen? I'm going to live my free life, live as a free Christian, do what's right. Uh, and if that makes people upset around me, that's not my problem. Amen? And see, by you doing that, it will cause their heart to harden. Amen? By you walking the narrow path, people will get mad. Well, let's go out and sin. No, I, I don't do that. Well, who do you think you are? Uh, you know, I've had that reaction in the church before. You know, uh, uh, one time there, there were some folks, tell, uh, one fellow in particular, telling vulgar jokes at church, right? Dirty jokes at church. Not like a pig fell in a mud puddle dirty jokes, but, you know, like dirty jokes that, you know, you shouldn't tell your mama kind of dirty jokes, or really anybody according to the Word of God. Uh, and, and so, you know, I didn't want to be involved in that. The Bible says, you know, coarse jesting is a sin. Well, that's what he's talking about. You know, not, not jesting, not having a good time and laughing. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. But coarse jesting or, or jesting that, that's uh, beyond uh, what's, what's polite and, and scriptural is a sin. And I don't want to be around that. Uh, and so I would leave. And I would say things like, well, I hear my mother calling or I'm not old enough for this conversation. And, and then I would leave. I wouldn't rebuke them, right? I mean, sort of rebuking them by saying those things. But, you know, I wouldn't say, well, you're in sin because they were in sin, but I wouldn't do that. But they would get mad at me. And they would say, you think you're better than us. I'm like, I just don't want lightning to strike, you know. And not that I was in fear of God striking me dead, but you know what I'm saying, just uh, if you get in sin, then, then the devil, you open up yourself to the devil and he'll do whatever he can to, to harm you. And I, I want no part of that. And so I want to stay on my little narrow path. Well, you just think you're, you're better than us. I just want to stay on my path. Leave me alone. And if, and if my path makes you uncomfortable, that's not my problem. Uh, and, and, you know, in the church, a lot of times that'll happen. You know, there were people say things. And I remember one fellow said, if you answer my question, I'll, I'll put some extra money in the offering on Sunday. You know, how many, how many pastors would go, I'll take that deal. I don't take that deal. You, you want to bribe me for something? I, I don't take that deal. Amen. Uh, and, and, and so, because I, I have to walk my path. Amen. And so the, the narrowness of the path is there just because it doesn't need to be wide. He said, few, few are that find it. So, you know, I mean, if suddenly a thousand million people were coming to the Lord, he, he would widen the path, right? But the path doesn't need to be narrow. But he said the path leads to life. He said uh, in verse 14, straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. And that word life there is zoe. It's the God kind and the God quality of life. 
So this path that the Lord Jesus has for us will lead you to the God kind of life. Well, what kind of life would that be? I mean, is there any sickness or disease in the God kind of life? Is there any poverty or lack or depression or sadness or, or emotional distress in, in the God kind of life? Is the Lord ever in heaven going, I just can't get out of bed. You're full of courage. I'm just having a bad day. No, there's no, there's no life like that in heaven. If there's no life like that in heaven, he said, this path leads you to that, to where there's nothing like that. Well, don't you want to have that in your life? Well, stay on the path. Well, I don't like that path. Well, then just be like the rest of the world, full of depression and sadness and, and emotional distress. And, uh, you know, I mean, one of the, uh, is it Xanax? Is that one of the, the depression pills? I don't know. Is it is it Xanax or uh, what's some of the other depression pills? Anybody know? What's that? Prozac, Prozac you know, Prozac. What's, what's Xanax do? I don't know what it does. I'm not, a, I don't know. What's that? Anxiety, yeah, Xanax and Prozac and all those things. We're the Prozac world, the country of the world, right? And we take more Prozac than any other country in the world. It's like, how, how, we live in the best country in the world. How can we, you know, I know, and look, I'm not mad at anybody, but I know like teenagers on Prozac, right? How, what, how could a baby, you're a teenager. How bad could it be? Oh, my life's so hard. It's really not that hard. Right? Wait till you have cars and mortgages and jobs you got to go to every day, every day, every day. Right? Like you got to get up every day, go to work. Yeah. Like it's so 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 hard. Uh, but uh, teenagers are on, on this stuff. Well, the path of, of the Lord leads you to eternal life, where there, where there's no need for that. You know, I, I I've told you many times in my last doctor's appointment. You know, uh, he said, "What prescription medication are you on? Not not are you on any, but what are you on?" I'm like, "Well, I'm not on anything." And he's like, uh, well, there's something wrong with this picture, right? And in fact, he said, he said, you're disgustingly healthy. That's the words he used. You're disgustingly healthy. And then, you know, so that's okay, right? But at the end of the conversation, you just wait, it's coming. Like, oh, it ain't coming on my path. I'm on the narrow path. There's no, there's no prescription medication on this path, amen? Uh, and so, and I'm not against prescription medication. Take it if you need it. But on the path of eternal life, God kind of life, there's no Prozac or Xanax or, you know, uh, weight loss pills or anything, right? It's all, it's all good on this path, amen? Uh, and so Jesus said it's a narrow path. He said, if, he said few there be that find it. Well, if, if you found it, then what were you doing before you found it? You were looking for it, amen? But what did he say earlier? Seek and you'll what? Find. So I just can't find God. No, this means you're not looking. Right? Don't tell me you can't find God because God is everywhere. And, and he said, if you seek, what, what will happen? You will find. So if you're looking for the path of life, you'll find it. You know, for me, I was looking for the path of life. When I, as a child, uh, we didn't grow up in church. We weren't church people. We were Catholics by name only, you know. And we did some things, you know, that were good Catholics did. We had a lot of kids, right? You gotta, if you're a Catholic, you have a lot of kids. And we had 11 uh, in, my, in my family. You've got to have some crucifixes on the wall. You know, we had several of those, right? Uh, by law, you have to have several, you know, uh, you know Jesus on the cross. Even he's not on the cross anymore, but all the, you know, all the uh, Catholic people have Jesus on the cross. Well, why is he there? He's not there anymore. Uh, and so, but we never went to Mass, you know. I've never been to a Latin Mass or English Mass or any kind of Mass. I don't even know uh, the hope. I mean, I see him on TV, but I've never been to one. Uh, but I knew as a child, I knew God. I, I, didn't know, I didn't know him like I was saved, but I knew God existed. And I desired to know him. And I would pray to him and talk to him. You know, first, second grader, you know, that's my earliest memories of talking to the Lord. Thanking him for things. Lord, I thank you. You know, I mean, you may think it's funny, but I would thank him. Lord, I thank you that I'm funny. You know, I would tell him that, you know, as a first grader, you know, which still sounds kind of funny, right? Uh, and so, but I would thank him for that. Sincerely, I would thank him for these things. I thank you that I'm smart. You know, I would thank him for those things. Well, that seems kind of prideful to say, I don't know, you know, I'm a first grade, right? Give me a break, right? And so, uh, but I would talk to the Lord and I would uh, desire to know him. But I didn't, you know, if you don't know anything, you don't know what to ask. You don't know, you know, you don't know what the words are. I, don't, I didn't know any of these things, but I, but I knew if I could go to church that, that I, I, somebody at church would tell me. And so, uh, you know, and I remember we lived in a little, little tiny town. It was called Where, which was a perfect name because, like, where is it? Nobody knows because it's so small. That, like, three people lived there. That's where we lived. It was Where. <clears throat> now, it wasn't spelled, you know, like Where, but, it, but uh, that's where we lived. Uh, and so uh, I, I desired to go to church, but I didn't even know what that meant. But we would watch the Waltons, right? And, like, because if it's a big family, you're required by law to watch the Waltons. And, 
and, and the Waltons all went to church. And so I thought, well, Lord, that's what, I, I, get me there and I'll go to church. I'm like 10, 10 or 11 years old. Get me there. Get me to where the Waltons live and I'll go to church. And, and one day uh, my dad said, hey, do, do you want to go? Uh, we're, gonna, we're thinking about moving to Tennessee. And of course, you know, it, and as a, for an 11-year-old, everything south of the Mason-Dixon land is Tennessee, right? And, and the Walton land country. I think the Waltons were actually in North Carolina, right? But it's all the same, right? I mean, if you're in New Hampshire, it's all the same, right? Uh, and so we moved to Tennessee. And so on this way, to my, okay, I'm in Tennessee. You know, and, and uh, when, when I grew up, I never remember seeing a church. Would you go to Tennessee and you throw a rock and, and three pastors will, will, will scream, right? You just hit three <laughs> pastors. And, uh, and so there's churches everywhere. So we were, we were uh, uh, at home. Now, when I grew up, it, it, the answer was everything was no. Hey, can I go to a friend's house? No. Can I have a friend over? No. Hey, can I, can I have some food? No. I mean, it was just no. It was just always no. That's the, anybody who grew up like that? Just, it was always no. We didn't have any money to do anything, right? We never went on vacation. We never went out to eat. Uh, never had ice cream, right? I mean, we had ice cream in the freezer, but that was only for mom and dad. And when they would go out on a date, that was for my older brother who would eat it in front of us to, to show us that we couldn't have it, right? But he would make me go down to the scary basement to get it for him so he could eat it. And as soon as I'd go into the scary basement, he'd close the door and then, you know, make all kinds of these scary noises and, and terrify me uh, as I went down to the scary basement to get the ice cream for him to eat in front of me. And, and so that's the, you know, that's just the way you grow up, right? And I assumed, I assumed everybody was that way. And people like, everybody's not that way. Uh, and so and we didn't have these things, right? I, I remember after we moved to Tennessee, uh, my dad built a, a, like a three-car garage on the house, and, and he graveled the, the driveway, right? So three-car, three-lane uh, driveway there. Uh, and, and the dump truck came and, and uh, dumped all the gravel, however many loads of gravel it was. But we spread it out by hand with a shovel. And, and of course, you know, it's like a chain gang. We've got 11 kids. You know, you can get it done, you know, in a whole day or two. Uh, and so we spent a whole day in the hot summer sun spreading out this gravel with, a, with, a, with the shovels, uh, and, and, you know, I'm like 12 years old, 13 years old at this time, and I'm just, that's the way we did it, right? We just, we'll do it ourselves. Now, there's no way I'd do that today. I'd do one shovel, like, this is exhausting. I'm going to hire me a bobcat, and you go rent a bobcat, you know, and I would go rent a bobcat because I can now. Back then, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't even, that was a thing, right? Oh, you, yeah, we didn't need a bobcat. We had a thousand kids, and, and so uh, we, we did, we spread all this out by hand, and then, then, then at the end of the day, uh, we went down to the, to the ice cream shop and got a, a, a single cone of ice cream. And I thought, man, life is good. I spent all this time doing this, and I got, a, I got an ice cream. You know, how good can life possibly be, right? And I'm not thinking, I mean, I didn't realize, you know, I was slave labor, right? I mean, just, just you know, uh, my dad didn't have a whip, but, you know, he, he had a rake handle. And if we didn't straighten up, he'd get knocked upside the head with a rake handle, which hurts really bad. I don't know if you've ever been hit on the head with a rake handle, but it really hurts bad. Uh, and so, but I, you know, that was my mentality, you know, all this work for, for a, a single scoop of ice cream, not two scoops, right? I mean, we didn't, there's no way you did to get, I mean, if you, if you order two scoops of ice cream, they just, my, my brothers would bury you, right? I mean, they'd call you all kinds of names and hit you. And, uh, and so you, you didn't, you didn't get more than you deserved, right? And so we deserved a whole scoop of ice cream, but we, so we were there <clears throat> And all in one day in the summertime, this, this unmarked white panel van comes by, door, the sliding door opens up. Hey, can we take your kids uh, to vacation Bible school? And, and see, this is my, I've been waiting for, for years. You know, this has been six or seven years. I've been waiting for the Lord to, to get me into church. Again, not knowing what that meant or what it looked like, but, but the Lord uh, is making the way. There's always a way. And so, uh, you know, it was a miracle. My mother said, yes. Hey, think about that. Can you imagine a, a white, unmarked van pulling up at your, at your sidewalk and say, can we take your kids away today? There's no way, right? You would never see them again. And for my mother to say yes was nearly a miracle. I mean, it's right up there with creating a planet, right? I mean, it's just like, you know, we created Jupiter, and my mother said yes. It's the same, same level of miracle. Uh, and so they took us to church. Now, and, and, and I still don't know where it was. You know, it was, I mean, it was miles away from the house. So who knows where it was? And I don't even know the type of church it was, but whatever type of church it was, it was terrible. We went there the whole day in vacation Bible school. We sat, I sat on a second row in a sanctuary, and they just preached at us. I had, I had no idea what words are you using. I didn't know any words from the Bible. I didn't know Abraham or David, or you know, you David and Goliath, but you know, I know who Abraham was or Enoch or any of these people were. 
they were just preaching at us for an hour, and nobody asked me to get saved. Nobody asked me, told me what it took to get to receive, receive the Lord. And they sent us back home. And I thought that was the most boring thing. Now, at this time, I'm, I'm 12 years old. I think it's the most boring thing. And I thought, well, okay, that's it. I've been to church. I guess they're all the same. Really boring. I guess I won't go back. Uh, but I still love the Lord, still or wanted to know the Lord, you know. Uh, and so I didn't go back to, to church for years after that. I just assumed, well, that's it, right? I mean, I didn't know they were different churches. I just thought, you know, they by law, they had to be the same. Now, and and uh, so I was, now I'm like uh, 15 years old. My dad had just passed away. Uh, and, and I'm nearly 16 years old. Uh, in fact, it was a, the month of my 16th birthday. I'm just walking through the house. And, you know, on Sunday mornings, we, we would watch TV and we watched all the good stuff, like Three Stooges, right? And, and wrestling, all the, the stuff that's true and, and, and correct, right? Because uh, all wrestling is real, right? Three Stooges is, is you know, the best uh, TV program you can watch, right? But in the middle of that, they'd play church services. Uh, and, and, and when one day the, the pastor got up, I don't know who it was, said, if you want to accept Jesus, here's how to do it. Just confess him as your Lord and believe that Jesus, God raised Jesus from the dead, and you'll be saved. And I thought, well, I can do that. And so I went up in bedroom and, and prayed the sinner's prayer. We call it the sinner's prayer, but that's what I did. I went up and got saved. And when I get to heaven, the Lord will show me, Lord, who was that, that guy that, that said that? Because that's how I got saved. I didn't get saved in a church service. I went to church, and they didn't get me saved. And so, uh, uh, but I got, it, I got it from the guy on TV. Uh, and so the Lord, the Lord led me to that path because I wanted that path. I didn't know what it, what it looked like. And I couldn't tell you what the path was called or what the words to use, but I wanted that path. My, my heart desired. And look, every human being in the world wants that path. Oh, yeah. Now, their flesh doesn't want it. The, their mind doesn't want it. But their spirit, man, every human being's spirit desires that path. Yeah. I didn't know God. Nobody ever preached to me. Nobody witnessed to me growing up. But I knew there was a path. Yeah. I didn't know where it was or what it looked like or how to get to it. But I knew there was a path and I wanted the path. And the Lord, the Lord worked it out. So, because otherwise, if I'd, had, if I'd asked my mom, hey, can I go to church? The answer would have been no. Uh, and except for that one instance, and I don't know if the Lord maybe was messing me with what, I'm going to send you to this church in the worst, you know. I'm kind of I'm suspicious. I know what the church uh, denomination was, because it was like the first church of doubt and unbelief. Uh, but I'm, uh, you know, I'm gonna, I, I don't really know for sure. But I'm, uh, but I'm glad the Lord sent me there the first time, because that was terrible. And so when I, when I got saved, I started going to a word church, and it was wonderful, right? And so I thought, well, I don't know, that, I don't know what that church was there. And it took me a long time, you know, in the church world to understand the, the differences in these things. Uh, but see, uh, this path, he said, this path is uh, straight and narrow, uh, which leadeth unto life. It leads to the God kind of life. Yeah. Now, in this life, it doesn't have to be just when you die and go to heaven. It can be in this life today. Amen. Uh, the church has sold us the worst bill of goods that you get saved, hang on the best you can. You know, it's going to be terrible, but, you know, uh, hold your breath. You'll die, eventually go to heaven. That's great, but that's terrible news, right? That's not the good news. The good news is this Zoe life, this God kind of life is for today, all the days. On the path, there's perfect, perfect, perfectness of life if you'll stay on the path. And when we get off the path on a regular basis and, and things are terrible, but if you'll just get back on the path, it's all well. Amen. And so I just want to read some other translations of this, uh, of verse 14. Uh, but the gateway to life is narrow and tight, and few are those who can find it. And, and it's only few because only a few are interested in finding it. But I can guarantee you, if you want it bad enough, you can find it. If you want God bad enough, you'll find him. People think it's so hard to find God. A child who had no other resources found God. I didn't have any resources. I didn't have any uh, ability to get anywhere, do anything. I didn't even own a bicycle until I was like 15 years old. Uh, you know, we, didn't, we just didn't have stuff. Uh, and so uh, he said, uh, the gateway is narrow and tight, and few are those who can find it. Uh, another one says, a narrow is the gate, and being afflicted is the way. Uh, and, and when it talks about um, narrow and, and straight, there is some affliction that's implied with those verses. But the affliction is not from God. The affliction is from the world who hates that you're on that path. Uh, and so you've got to decide, on this path is life, and that makes that person unhappy. So are you okay with that? You're going to have to be okay with that because that's the way it is. I'm okay with it because it doesn't bother you. I don't care if it bothers you. I'm on this path because on this path is life. If you, if you don't like it and you want to get me off that path because it makes you uncomfortable, 
And see, a lot of times, you, you breathing air as a child of God makes the sinners uncomfortable. Well, that's not my problem. Amen? My job is not to make you comfortable. My job is to live the life of God, and that will make you uncomfortable sometimes. Amen? I know sometimes just, just me being a, a person of character makes other people uncomfortable. Why, I just see so nervous around you. Well, then don't lie as much. Right? Then you won't, you won't be so uncomfortable. Amen? Because I don't lie. You know, don't cuss as much. Uh, you know, because I don't cuss. Well, you know, it makes me uncomfortable. That's not my problem. I'm going to stay on the path. Amen? I will stay on the path. And yes, other people will afflict you because you're on this path. Well, who do you think you are? I'm a child of the Most High God. Who are you? Right? I have the name of Jesus in my life. What do you have? I, 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 I have, have no shame for being a Christian. Amen? It doesn't bother me being a Christian at all. But it bothers other people. They will afflict you. Well, so the question for you then, is it worth it? Is it worth it to stay on the path with affliction or to get on the easy path when nobody afflicts you? Oh, just come be like us. Sin like us, it's okay. No, everybody will accept you the way you are. Well, I don't want that because that path leads to destruction and death, the Bible says. Amen? This path will lead to to God kind and God quality of life. Uh, He said, how narrow is the gate and restricted the way that leads to life and fewer are those that find it. But small is the gate and narrow and difficult to travel is the path that leads the way to everlasting life. And there are few that find it. Again, it's narrow and difficult to travel, not because of the path itself, but because the, the people around you that keeps trying to get you off that path and, and trying to accuse you of all manner of evil because you're on this path. Now, the world hates the church. The world hates God. Uh, the devil hates the Lord. Amen. Uh, one says, because narrow is the gate and narrow, narrower still the way. So the gate is narrow and the, and the path is also uh, even more narrow that leads to life. The door that is narrow and the road that is restricted lead to spiritual life and only a few people find it. Uh, it's, uh, again, it's only restricted from the standpoint that it, it's narrow. Amen. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, this one, it says, for narrow is the door and hard the road to life. And only a small number make discovery of it. I like the way he said it, make discovery of it. But again, you've got to make sure when you read these things where it says hard is the road to life, is God is not making it hard. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you'll stay on the narrow path, it's the easiest thing in the world to be a Christian. It's, a, it's the least pressure. Any pressure or difficulty comes from the outside. Amen? In my little bubble world, I am perfectly happy, perfectly content, perfectly satisfied. But outside of me, the world hates me, and the world is trying to get me off the path. That's the difficulty. That's the, the struggle that comes about is from on the outside. On the inside, there's no struggle at all. Easiest thing in the world to be a Christian. Easiest thing in the world. You know, we, we were Amen. playing uh, uh, pickleball yesterday, uh, and, and um, I made some bad shot, you know, and I was a little frustrated myself, you know, because I... Uh, uh, you know, I'm watching Jared over there making perfect shots, you know, shot after shot, you know, and I can't even hit the fence, you know. Uh, and so I was a little frustrated. And, and the guy that I was playing with, he says, just let it out, Chip, just let it out. And, and I'm thinking, there's nothing in to let out. It's not in there, right? I mean, you can say let it out, but it's not in there. Uh, the, you know, I was thinking, you know, well, I, I could just cuss right now. It was not in there. I just did, I didn't like the way I was playing, but that's fine. But, you know, he just, just let it use you. There's nothing to use. See that, but see, that's the way they think. It's, it's easy. Just let it out. Just live that way. Just let it all out. Well, I put that, off, that old man off a long time ago. There was, there was no, I wasn't like, man, I just got to bite a nail, right? There was no nail to bite, right? Uh, and so, uh, see, the difficulty, he, he's trying to get me to, to cuss, right? And just let it out. <clears throat> well, no. See, I'm not, I'm not walking that path. I'm walking my path. You don't like my path? It would make you uncomfortable? You know, uh, we, we were at, a, we were at, a, at a, a soccer game years ago. With my, 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 all my kids played soccer, right? All, all three of them played soccer. Uh, and some of the parents were just terrible. They'd scream at their kid, come on, play better, do better, kick that ball next time. And I'm thinking, you know, the best thing in the world would be to have a child versus parent game. All these high school kids, you know, when you're a high school playing high school soccer, it's, it's one of the most exhausting sports you can play. You, know, you get all these, all these soft parents out there, and they have to run one play, and they'd all be on a stretcher after that, right? Uh, they're all screaming at their kids, you know, hollering at them. And look, there was, an, there was even another pastor there besides me. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say a thing. 
you know, just every now and then I'd cheer them on, you know. Uh, sometimes if the ref wasn't doing their job and, and allowing harm to come to the players, I might say something. Hey, ref, straighten up, right? But very, I mean, it rarely, rarely say anything. And, and this, the other pastor looked at me one time and said, man, you don't say anything. And I'm thinking, you should use that as, an, as, as, uh, as a testimony of how you should be. Instead of going, wow, who does that? Who, who, who says that a game doesn't say anything? You should be one of those instead of screaming at your players and your kids and telling them to play better. Uh, and some of, the, some of my kids, their teammates would come off the field crying because their parents would, would just treat them so poorly. I'm thinking, yeah, you get out and run like that, right? Uh, and of course, they never would. Uh, and so, so the, the only hard part is from what the world, how the world responds to you. God is not hard on you at all. He said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. The easiest thing in the world to be a Christian. I say that so much because so many people don't believe that's true. But it is true. If Jesus said it was true, he said, because the gate is narrow and the way is hard-pressed, which leads to life. And, uh, and there are a few who find it. Well, the, the pressing comes from the world. The world is pressing against you to change your course and direction. Just let it out. Just let it use you. Yeah, I think I will. Well, you know, if you, if you don't have it to begin with, it, there's nothing to let out. Amen. Uh, he said, uh, because the gate and the road that has gone through hard times that leads to life is narrow. Even the people finding it are few. Uh, and I think it's about the, one more there. It says, how narrow is the gate that leads to life and how rough the road? Uh, few there are who find it. And I think in that particular translation, they didn't quite get the intent of that because the road itself is not rough. But the, the outside influences can be rough. Amen. The road is smooth and, and nice. Amen. Because who, who made the road? The Lord made the way. Amen. He makes the way the easiest thing in the world to get saved. I mean, a, a child who knew nothing about the Lord got saved in his bedroom uh, by walking by a TV on a Sunday morning, right between the Three Stooges and, and Looney Tunes, right? And I found life between those two, between those two shows, amen? Uh, the easy, this was not hard, the easiest thing in the world. Uh, and, and so don't, don't buy the lie that it's so hard being a Christian. Don't buy that lie. It is not a lie. It's a, in fact, if you want an easy life, be a Christian. You want the easiest life in the world? Be a Christian and walk in faith. You know, a lot of Christians have a hard life because they know nothing of faith. They, they get saved and they hold their breath until they die. And they go to heaven. Well, that's great. That's, that's not the way that, of life that the Lord wants to have. Amen. Uh, it's narrow. It requires some intent. It requires some diligence. It requires some, some, some thought on your part. Some, some dedication to, to stay on the path, regardless of what the pickleball guy says. It, it requires some effort on your part. Amen. But I'm not letting some pickleball guy get me off the course. I'm going to stay the course. Because on my course is Zoe life, the God kind of life. That's a great course to be on. And I will stay that path, and it will be a wonderful life. Amen? I mean, I, you know, I've been saved now for, for uh, what, uh, 48, uh, uh, 43 years or so. Yeah, 43 years. Uh, best thing I've ever done. Amen? Even better than getting married, which is pretty good, right? Good close second there, but... Best thing I ever got done is saved. Got saved and, and followed the Lord all these years. Wonderful thing. Amen. I, I just can't imagine where I would be without the Lord today. And yet so much of the church is like, oh, it's so hard being a Christian. It's just the hardest thing in the world. You're on the wrong path. I don't know what path you're on, but you, you're on the path I'm on. Uh, my path leads to life. It leads to God kind. What kind of life is the God kind of life? Any sickness or disease in God kind of life? Poverty, lack, depression, sadness, Xanax, Prozac, whatever. Uh, any of that on the God kind of life? Not, not that I know of. I mean, there's no, any pharmacies in heaven? I got to go get, pick up my prescription, you know, in heaven, right? Uh, hey, hey uh, Gabriel, can you go give me a prescription? I'm busy. Uh, no, there's no prescription. And look, I'm not mad at you. You, you, gotta, you do whatever you need to do. It's fine, right? But I'm telling you, that's not God's way. That's not on the path of life. Amen. His path is peace and joy and contentment. Amen. Uh, and we got the best thing in the world to, to sell the world. If we just sell it right, yeah. the whole world would come to the, to come to the church and get on the same path. Amen. Uh, and so uh, let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that uh, your path, uh, you said that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And yes, Father, it is a narrow path. And yes, Father, much affliction will come because we're on the path, because the world hates that we're on the path. But, Father, we'll stay true to your word. Straight to, straight, stay true to your spirit, Father. And on that path, Father, is Zoe life. On that path is eternal life, the God kind and God quality of life. Father, it's a good life to be on. It's a life full of joy and peace and contentment, Father. 
We thank you for these things, Father. And just real quick with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, you know, we talked about uh, getting saved. If you've never accepted the Lord Jesus uh, and would like to get saved, would like to accept him, if you'll raise your hand, we'll pray for you. Amen. Pray with you. Get you saved on your way to heaven. Uh, uh, it's, a good, it's a good path to be on. Amen. It's a good road to be on. Thank you, Father. Well, Father, we just thank you for your goodness and mercy. And, Father, we thank you as we get ready to receive an offering today, Father. We're reminded of what David said. Father, that all that we have came from your generous hand. And so all we're doing is giving back to you that which you've given to us. And it's an honor to give, Father. And we do it with thanksgiving. And we give you the praise and the honor for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Amen. Has the Lord given us everything by his generous hand? Then all we're doing is just giving back to him. And that's really a good mentality to have. Amen. Lord, I'm just giving back to you what you've given to me. Uh, and so it's an honor to give, amen, and, and uh, of course we always thank, we're, we're so thankful as ministry that you all are generous and, and give faithfully, and it's a blessing to the Lord, amen, we've always been able to do everything the Lord's called us to do, uh, and we will continue to do so, amen, uh, and so uh, Jared, come, and sit, come ahead and receive the offering, and um, we don't have anything, I looked up here, make sure there's nothing else to do up here, right? <laughs> um, uh, what's that? It's like slow tennis, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's just, yeah, they play right over there, right? It, it's like a wiffle ball but, uh, and a paddle, uh, and it's, uh, but it's, uh, it's like a secret uh, pickleball cult, you know? I mean, it's, it's swept the country, and, and you have to have a secret handshake and everything to play over there. Uh, but um, it's just a sport that's played out, you know, most, most times it's played outdoors, sometimes it's played indoors, uh, but um, it's fun. If you, like, if you like playing sports like that, it's a lot of fun, uh, and so, uh, and it's a good opportunity for people to, to uh, try to get you to cuss when you shouldn't cuss, right? Uh, and so uh, you get to, get to see if you're really going to walk the path or not, amen? And so, uh, and so what I'll do, instead of cussing, I'll just get better, uh, and so that's my confession. Instead of getting mad, at it, I'll, just, I'll just get better. And that way I won't get frustrated. Uh, and so, praise God. Uh, don't forget the sign-up sheet on the back table there for the meal next, next Sunday. And uh, we have healing school today at 3 o'clock. And uh, you all uh, have a wonderful day. Be blessed.